Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. It's Roger Abel and Elias Randall. Elias, how are you today, sir? I'm good, Roger. It seems like um, there has actually been some good market news this week, so I'm not going to get my hopes up too high, but that's always – I'm feeling more positive. I've been pretty negative and bearish all year. I'm not saying I'm real bullish right now, but I'm feeling a little – starting to feel better. Well, I think I think that's actually a, a good – kind of um insight is it feels like something is a little bit different and i don't know what it is and we're not predictors but at some point and we don't know what it is some point the market's actually going to turn and we're going to have a uptrend and we'll go back to all-time highs at some point could be in a year six months two years whatever but here's what i thought was interesting i had a phone call with a individual the other day and they're looking to put in a you know, fairly large sum of money. And they said, well, maybe, maybe we should just put this in cash and wait for the market to go down a little bit. Meaning they're trying to buy a better price. And every time I hear that, and I've talked with you about this before, that's when the market starts to get away from you. And it could run five, six, seven, eight percent really quick while you wait to get in. I've always made the comment, when you want to buy, the market's hard to buy meaning you want to get a better price, you just can't get it. And I'm not here to say that the market's turning, but you know we've had four or five straight positive days. The NASDAQ, so it seems like risk on assets are becoming popular again. Bitcoin traded over 23,000. The NASDAQ's been kind of the leader. I guess I'll take your thoughts on what's kind of going on in the markets right now um and, and what you kind of think think may be happening yep yeah so i, I want to tag on to some of the ideas you were just talking about and in general in general by the time most retail investors know we're back in a bull market they've missed their buying opportunity which just speaks to all the things we talk about from that just fundamentals you know buying all the time um and now and it's all the stuff we talk about. We talk about how retail investors, retail investors typically are a little late to the game and just the situation you brought up. Well, let's just wait and see what happens. Where from my perspective, I'm thinking, well, what have you been what have you been waiting for? Cuz you're never going to know. You're never going to know the day where it's at the bottom. And then beyond some of the bigger trends that have been going on, I just read an article that there's all these different stocks, just individual stocks that have set new 20-day highs. So there's a lot of small trends that doesn't mean doesn't mean the market's turning. No, we could have if anything could happen, and an investor sentiment could get negative, and there could be more selling. But I do think there are some, you know, there's some positive things, some positive things happening. So I, I just think the it's all it always comes back to like an old saying or just things always work. And a lot of times the best time to invest was yesterday. And I don't think people should abandon their strategy though. So I think coming into this bear market, if you decided, Hey, I have X amount in cash, I'm going to deploy it X amount of dollars at a time over a set period of time, stick with the strategy that you decided at the beginning. Cause you thought that was a good plan. So just keep executing it. Well, you made a good point. You're not going to find the bottom unless you're extremely lucky. So the individual I'm working with actually was with me during 2008 and 9, and he dollar cost averaged himself all the way down. 
We started buying at 10,000, 9,000, 8,000, 7,000. We did that strategy where, hey, every like 20, 30 days, we were deploying more capital. So he bought all the way down and he bought at the bottom, but it wasn't that he put all the money at the bottom. It was just a series of events that led to that. Um, and, and you think about this, you're squeezing it for two or three or 4% over the long term. It's not going to matter. No, over 10, 10, 20 years, whether you buy the S and P 500 at 3,900 or 3,820, it doesn't matter. It's anyone. just getting it in. And it kind of leads into a little bit of um, what we're going to talk about today. And that's actually four strategies to help investors adapt to uncertainty. But before we get that, Elias, um, I just, while, while we're sitting here, I just pulled up Bloomberg to see what, what the markets are doing since we were talking about a few things. And um, jobless claims just came out. And I'll take your, your take on this and I'll give you mine. But U.S. jobless claims hit eight-month high as labor market cools. And I think in general, a lot of times we see that as negative, that, hey, the labor market's cooling off, there's more people unemployed or filing for jobless claims. But what I first thought about when I read this headline was a week or two ago on a show, we talked about how McDonald's is paying $21 for burger flippers. And that's not a bad thing. Just it is what it is. It sounds like a good job. But if all of a sudden there's more people filing unemployment, are they going to be able to start to pay 17 and $18 for that same job? Because there's more competition, which, you know, we talked about how maybe this there's been some inflation caused by higher wages. Well, if wages come down a little bit, I'm not talking about drastic decreases, but if they cool off a little bit, does that help the inflation picture and all those, those different things that, that may happen? And this is expected. I mean, if you look around, um, most, most companies out there have said they're either going to lay people off, not most, but a lot of companies have said we're going to do some layoffs or we're at least going to halt or slow down the hiring. I think Microsoft came out yesterday and said, we're going to really slow down our hiring efforts as they are preparing for a potential recession. I, I, I think the economy cooling off, market cooling off for a little bit. I think in the long term, it was, it's going to end up being a very good thing just in general. Uh, but yeah, I think jobless claims going up, it's showing that things are starting to slow down and cool off and yeah the labor market won't be as competitive if there's more people without a job and wage, wages do um impact inflation and here's here's one thing i know people don't like inflation i mean like the two the two topics that people just can't stand in our business it seems like is inflation and taxes and inflation is just poking people in the eye so bad they want Everyone wants to fill up their gas tank and it's, you know, for a sedan, it's like 40 bucks for a truck. I, what were you filling your truck up for like two years ago? Well, I, I have 36 gallons and I was getting it for, you know, I don't know, 80 bucks. Yeah, it, so it would, like 80 here, to 90. But when you fill up your truck and it's like $125, no one's going to like yeah, that. Yeah, so I talked about this on a previous show. I don't, I don't ever really pay attention to what, the price of my gas bill is. It's just one of those things. It is what it is. I, I, I have to have the fuel, but I started paying attention when the pump started stopping me out and I had to either swipe the card or not get a full tank of gas. So up until like <laughs> nine months ago, I'd get a full tank of gas. I get all 36 gallons if I was on empty. Well, then one day I went to the pump. I'm like, Oh, I got 29 gallons today. 
and then it was 24 gallons. And then all of a sudden I noticed now the pumps, instead of stopping at $100, they're now 150. And I still couldn't get a full tank of gas. So that's how I've always measured the price of gas is, hey, because I'm driving a diesel truck, so diesel fuel is $5. But I talked about this on our radio show Tuesday night. I went, I drove by the gas station the other day and unleaded gas was $3.98 a gallon. I went to the grocery store and I bought a cart full of groceries. I had $10 hummus in there, two $10 toys for the kids, all fruits and vegetables. So the most expensive stuff you could buy at the store, chicken. My bill was $241 and it was a big cart stuffed to the top. And I actually made the comment to the lady, I'm like, man, I can't believe I got out of here for $241. <laughs> I mean, because usually it's been like over 300 bucks if I go do yeah. the weekly for two kids and we buy healthy stuff. I try to stay out of the middle aisles, you know, where all the the bad food is. And uh, so I feel like some of those prices are coming down. I bought milk for $3.09. That same milk was $4.09 a month ago. So I, I feel some cooling myself. And I'm sure other people have noticed it or, or at least are starting to take notice a little bit. I. I would think so. And all those, you know, all those things are good for the economy will be good for the market. Um, and I do, before we get into our four strategies, I do want to make one more comment on this week's show about, so I read, these are a couple different quotes, but it's basically all younger investors and talking about putting extra money into the market. Cause someone um, there's like, there's a big discrepancy. So institutions have taken way more money out of the market than retail investors have put in. But I thought these quotes are very insightful. Cause one of them was like, it's $15,000 and this isn't going to change my life. It was the wall street journal article. Yes. Wall street journal yeah. article. And I, th you know, that's a really good for people. If you have some extra cash, you know, you don't want to you don't want to deplete all of your cash. You need to have your emergency fund. You need to have cash in the bank for stuff that when it comes up, you need it. But I think younger investors, I think they're showing that they're being the they're showing the behaviors that lead to successful outcomes, and that's the right attitude to have. If you take if you have an extra 20,000 and you go invest it into a not one stock, but a diversified portfolio, lose your password for the next 10 years and never look at it and then log in in 10 years and look at it, odds are you're going to be pretty happy with that decision. Yeah, Regardless I, of if the market goes down another 20% from here. Well, that's actually a good segue, Elias, into this Employee Benefit Research Institute's um, Retirement Readiness Survey. And um, one of the things that came out of that is uh, the retirement advice to their younger selves. What's the retirement advice they would give to themselves 30 years in the past or 20 years in the past? Um, and the number one thing was don't underestimate the power of time. We talk about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. When you're young, you think you have all the time in the world. And I look around and when I get a young individual, and a lot of times it's a client's child. You know, they're like 18 and they have their first job. And I'm like, man, let me show them what a small investment into the S&P 500 40 years ago would have done. And it's kind of a good way to get them motivated to get into the, to get into the markets. But I think that just the power of time is the greatest thing. Basically all investors have 
Um, you know, if you're 55, unfortunately, you don't have time. Yeah. But I mean, if you're not, not 18, 25, 30, it's not never too late to start. But, man, looking back, and for myself, I would look back and say, hey, 20 years, I'm 43 now, so I have 20 years I could look back. There's things I wish I would have done different, for sure. When you, know, you think about yourself at 23. Absolutely. Yeah, everyone feels the Everybody same Everybody does, way. and you're yeah. like, man, did I really, you know, I could have saved more money. I could have done more of this. I could have been better at X. And we don't want to look back. It's all going forward. But I think the number one thing for young people listening to the show is you have time, and the compounding of your money is invaluable. Yeah, the other two things I want to point out from advice to your to your younger self section and I think they go hand in hand, being more aggressive with their investments and then working with a financial advisor to have a solid plan for retirement and their investments. And this, I can think of three conversations that we've had this year with, I, they're around 50, clients around 50, but for, you know have a lot of money. And we get the question, is it time to become more conservative? Well, one, you can answer that with a financial plan. And a lot of times at that time, I think what it is, I think I think you get to a point where you have a certain dollar amount that you just think, wow, I never thought I'd have this much money. And most of the time, no, I don't think it's time to become more conservative, especially if you have a time horizon that dictates you don't need to. You just have to be willing to stomach the, fluc the fluctuations. And we are successfully able to keep everyone on track. So I think staying allocated appropriately goes hand in hand with working with an advisor. And that's the other piece of advice on here. I think that's actually a great point. And the only caveat I'd, I'd add to that, Elias, is that understanding what an individual's relationship with money is really important. We've had a couple of people we ran across in the last few months. And I always pose the question, okay, you have a million dollars. If your account went down $20,000, how would you feel? And the the answers are a broad range of questions like, oh, yeah, no big deal. Or I wouldn't sleep at night. And if someone says I wouldn't sleep at night because their account went down twenty thousand dollars and they have a million, you can start to answer what their level of risk taking is. And then you have to figure out how in that financial plan to deal with a person who basically wants no risk because the sphere of investment opportunities for them is pretty small. It's really yeah. limited to bank products or some type of a guaranteed product. I mean, there's just no other way to do it. And it becomes harder to maximize what they have. Now, we just got done doing a financial plan for someone that that was their exact answer. But they've got a couple of pensions. They've got good Social Security checks. They're in great shape. They don't need any risk. And what we're able to do with the financial plan for them is quantify and say, hey, look, even with X amount of inflation, because that's really the primary concern right now, because your pension checks aren't going up. You want X amount of inflation, you're going to be okay. So now our goal is to take all of this money that, you know, they have that they need no risk on and try to figure out how to maximize the return for them with no risk. So it's a little bit different than what we do sometimes. It was, it was unique. And fortunately for them, you know, they haven't been in the market, so they haven't lost anything. Interest rates are ticking up now, so it's creating more opportunities of places that they could potentially go. Yeah, it it is, and they're you know that they're in a unique situation, like you said. Most most people don't are not in a situation where they can't have any sort of equity risk in their portfolio. Some people are, if you have enough pension, enough social security, and 
no debt. It's really the the only people that are there, Elias, are yeah. at least one really good pension and a lot of times two. And the Social Security checks have to be big and they have to be living on, you know, quite a, quite a bit less than what those checks are. Yeah, because otherwise, be frugal to pull that off. otherwise, when you run the software, the inflation will just eat it up over time. And I think back, my grandpa retired from teaching 36, 37 years ago. And I had this talk with my dad when my when my uh, grandpa retired, he retired on Ipers at the time, his Ipers and Social Security check was basically what he was making when he was teaching. It's a nice paycheck, nice paycheck. Thirty six years later. His Ipers checks still like nineteen hundred or two thousand dollars. Yeah, it doesn't go that far anymore, and people don't think about that with the pension. So every time someone comes with the pension, I always tell them that really the investment dollars for you is your future hedge against inflation. Your goal shouldn't be to spend down these investment dollars. It should be to help these provide inflation adjusted income for you twenty years down the road. My my nanny used to nanny for me. Um, she's a teacher, and she just got in the public school system. And she's all excited because she's getting diapers. I said, you're getting that, but you need to do the 403B with it. Yeah, just 100 bucks a month, something. My dad is out of Kirkwood. He was giving me some crazy statistic about how few people actually do the 403B because there's no incentive, there's no employee, employer match into it because they're putting all yeah, the money in diapers. That, that 403B, that's your golden ticket through age 95. It is. That's also a that's also a lack of investor education, right? I'm not blaming on any individual person, that, but if people really understood finance the way everyone should, because the uh, the truth is, money impacts everyone. There wouldn't be anyone not saving in the 403b. Okay, so let me. I'm gonna throw this out there. I think the lack of saving in the 403b is because of regulation in the state of Iowa. Okay, I don't know what you're getting at. But. When I started in the business as an advisor, you could go and help somebody with a 403B and get compensated fairly to help them do it. You could use any company you wanted. I don't know what year they switched. Then the state of Iowa said, hey, we're only going to allow these five 403B providers. And we're going to limit the compensation to X, which basically is nothing. There's no incentive for an advisor to go educate people about why it's important. So all the education now is fallen onto the employee because there's nobody to help them. It's not easy to do. You have to jump through a bunch of loopholes. If you're an advisor to help somebody. Maybe so we then, should write a letter to the, to the state but, but government. Think about this. So everybody gets all caught up in all oh, the fees and expenses. Well, yeah, the fees and expenses are only relevant. If you have money, if you didn't save any money, you're worse off. Well, because I had this conversation Fee, with my dad. Fees inexpensive. Let's look at net result. Right, but I had this conversation with my dad. My dad's like, why are so few people doing it? I said, because there's nobody there to help them. Yeah, they don't know. They don't have, they don't know what, people don't know what they don't know. People don't work for free, number one. They do, they're not going to work for free. Advisors don't work for free. And if you disincentivize them to do it, how can someone go work for free and spend time educating them on it? just doesn't work yeah, that you can't, way. You can't, you can't afford to do that. So I actually think that's one of the huge problems. And I'm not beating up at the state of Iowa did because I get it. If at one time they were sending checks, one high school could be sending a 403B contribution to 75 different carriers. Like that's a nightmare too. Yes. But the way in which they structured the compensation, they basically took away all the compensation from the advisor to do it. 
Yeah. Okay. So I guess I didn't know. I you knew a little around bit of that. Yeah, I that. knew a little, like a little bit of that background, but not. I did well, not know all that. And they made it hard. Great example. My dad has old four hundred three Bs with old custodians. He can't move them because he's still working. Yep. He has an old one with Pershing. Can't move it. Just because he's working, so he has yep. no. It's frozen. If he wanted to keep the same investments, because he doesn't want to sell the mutual funds that he's owned for thirty years. Right. So the only way to move it is guess what? Move it into the five custodians of the state of Iowa. And he's like, well, I like the investments I have. One of these investments is close to new investors. So it's at a broker dealer I was with 20 years ago, 15 years ago. You think about how crazy that is. Yeah. I, and you can just tie, I don't know. That's a, I don't like any of that. You can just tie up people's money, no flexibility, can't move it. It's his money. Nowhere to service it. Yeah, no service. No advisor. If can you only need go something, where, you got to call Only go where we say number. you can go. So anyway, off that. But um, here's another interesting one I thought, and we talked about this a few shows ago, Elias. 70% of American workers are afraid Social Security won't be there for them. Well, I think if you're over a particular age, and I don't know what that age is, maybe 50, you're probably okay. I know we talked about when we do a financial plan with a person who's in their 30s, they don't even assume social security. They don't even think about social security. Yeah. Every single one is like, well, yeah, I'm not going to get a social security benefit. Young people are not counting on social no. security for their retirement income. Nope, not at all. And it's sad because they're paying in their 7.2% or whatever they're paying in for it. And they assume they're just not going to get it. I'm sure it'll always be. I don't know. I guess I think it's always going to be around, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. So four strategies lies to help people adapt to uncertainty. You know, the first half of 2022 is the worst start to the stock market in decades. Um, down over 20%. It's, it's one of the worst starts ever. Yeah. Of all time. And you know, what's interesting is I don't feel panic. No. Like in 08, people are panicking. And I think it's because there's so much other bad news with it. Like the bad news, what what I mean, if you think about it, what's the bad news? Things have gotten more expensive. So far, that's the bad news. In 08, right. it was, man, banks are going out of business. My I could lose my house. Unemployment's way high. I might lose my job. There was just a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, I think this year, that's truly this year has been the difference between a bear market and a crisis. This year is a bear market. The, yeah. 2008 was that was a crisis. I but, mean, okay, if we mix in with the bear market this year, two of the biggest banks in the country going bankrupt, that probably would cause some panic. So, I don't know if you remember the Franklin Templeton study where it always asked people, you know, how did you think the market had had performed versus how it actually did, and people always said, hey, the market was down, and a lot of times the market was actually positive. This year. I think most people would be surprised to know that this is the worst start to the stock market. One of the worst starts ever. I don't think in, I don't think retail investors feel that bad. Like everyone I talk to, they're like, Oh man, I wish the market would go back up another 10 or 15%, but I'm not doing anything different. It's just, it's just really weird reality because it, the start's been so bad, but I just don't feel like an individual investor sentiment that I'm working with my clients are that disturbed by this? I mean, I ask the question every meeting, you know, are you scared or are you nervous? 
because I'm trying to get a gauge for where they are. And most of the time, like, well, I'm a little nervous, but I know it'll probably come back. So I just think it's really interesting. That's so bad to start. But at the end of the day, people aren't panicked. Yeah. Maybe. And I don't know if that's good or bad. That might actually, no, that's be, a that good might thing. actually, well, maybe that might be bad because to get true capitulation, we need people to just panic sell. Like that might mean the bottom's not in. Okay. But if we get, if there's some, a, even if it's a small rally and people just start to feel a little bit better, you're, I mean, yeah, you're right. There could be a point where I'm sure panic selling would start. I know, I don't know. I have no idea what that scenario. Well, I don't either. I'm would just be. throwing it out there for general discussion that maybe you know, as we kind of feel like the market's gaining a little momentum to the upside, maybe it's just another head yeah. fake on the way. I mean, yeah, we're I, we're not. Let's just we're not out of the woods yet. <laughs> Just expect more pain. Expect volatility. Then you can't be disappointed. It's like me planning for vacation. We're getting ready to go to Disney. My wife's all worried about these flights. I said, well, just expect that all the flights are going to get delayed and there won't be a problem. Your expectations just going to be met. And then if they're not, we'll be okay. I heard yesterday that um, if you're if you're traveling for business, you should plan on two days. There, because yeah, the number of flight cancellations. Of delays two days. I'm going to I'm flying out to Denver on Sunday. I'm like, am I going to get there? I mean, the good news is a direct flight. It's not I don't have to catch a connector. Yeah, the Cedar app. Is, yeah, the Cedar app is a Denver flight. I mean, that's but I'm not the first flight out. Like if I was the first flight out, I'd feel pretty good. But I'm like a 9 a.m. That's probably like the second or third flight going. Yeah, that's a pretty I mean, but that's like a pretty got to be a bread and butter route for them. You'd think, but. And no, no connect. I mean, I, yeah, you should maybe be a little worried, but there's no connecting flight. You're probably sitting pretty good. You'll be here Monday. <laughs> you won't make it. <laughs> I better make it. I need the vacation. Uh, so four strategies to help people adapt with uncertainty. One, assign your money responsibilities. We talk about this all the time. We have our premier bucket strategy, which is basically a liquid bucket, an income bucket, a growth bucket and a legacy bucket if that's important to you. But this is one of the greatest ways to, number one, get an income strategy. But number two, in times of chaos, we can just kind of refer to what what portion of money are we talking about? Are we talking about the money we're going to spend? You know, are we talking about the liquid bucket or the growth bucket? Because if you're nervous about the liquid bucket, we've got it in the wrong spot because it shouldn't be moving that much. There could be small fluctuations in there, but it shouldn't be going down 15%. Yeah, and how how important has cash been this year for people taking out um, distributions? I'll give you a great great example. I've had people in the past. Why do we have so much cash in there? Well, we want to be able number one have opportunities, and number two, if you're taking distributions, that's why nobody this year's asked why we've had so much cash. <laughs> I haven't heard it one time in six months. Yeah, and that, the that great question thing is, goes out the window in a bear market. But here's the beauty of that cash bucket, Elias, with where CD rates have come. We actually can go get a decent yield on, not relative to inflation, but relative to where the cash bucket's been in the past. Yeah, th that's true. To help keep filling it up a little bit better than years past. Well, you come to me the other day and we were talking about bonds in general, like just core bonds. Is all the pain already priced in? And I don't know. Are we just going to hang out now and clip the coupon for a while? I think so. That's what I think is going to happen. But again, I, I don't know. Again, I mean, I, I don't like to, I don't like to speculate and predict. 
Well, there's, I mean, the speculation, people have been selling bonds for the better part of, you know, 12 months. If somebody wants us to do a customized bucket strategy for them, you can go to btwealthshow.com. We'd be happy to do it. Click get started. Um, we'll get you in contact with one of our advisors. Elias, number two, run emotional decisions by an impartial party. And here's why this is good, a good strategy, because money is an emotional aspect of our lives. And, you know, it comes with different feelings, hope, fear, guilt, shame, and I think, or success even. And I know we talk a lot with clients about making decisions based on greed and fear. And those are kind of like what those are two basic emotions where when you have a bull market, a lot of people get greedy. I think we've talked about examples of that on the show. We've talked about people allocating to the high-flying growth assets at the end of last year, and I'm sure that was driven by greed. Oh, it's going to keep going up. And then in a year like this, we have a bear market. People start to make decisions based on fear, not based on fact or statistical analysis or anything that's, oh, my account is down 10%. I don't want to see it go to zero. I'm just going to get out of the market. So those are... And if you work with a firm, you work with an advisor, hopefully that's the person you're leaning on to be your impartial party to help guide you when you think you should make a change or think you should do something. And that's being driven by emotion rather than logic and statistical analysis. The better term for this is a second opinion. That's the best term. Second opinion. Get a second opinion. There you go. If you don't know or you question something, get a second opinion. Maybe you're considering paying off debt or investing. Maybe you just get a second pin if you don't know what to do. We do that a lot in life, but I think what's important is get it from somebody who has some type of training. And second opinion doesn't mean my neighbor who is an engineer, I'm going to get his second opinion on whether I should buy XYZ stock or pay off debt because they're not a professional. No. So if you want a second opinion, you can go to btwellshow.com and get it. Number three, which is really important, focus on what you can control. We talk about the sphere of control and all the things that we can and can't control. We can't control the price of fuel. We can't control the price of groceries, milk. We can't control the stock market, inflation, the economy. What can we control? There's really like three major things I think people can control. Well, regarding your finances, you can control your spending, your asset allocation, how much money you're contributing. And then you can also control things like decisions, like what job you pursue and career path and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but if we focus on those things, it kind of brings into clarity what we should be doing versus saying, oh my gosh, milk is $4 a gallon. What am I going to do? That's not, oh, well, let's figure out a way to spend instead of maybe let's figure out how to save more money. So maybe instead of buying, and I know people have done this, instead of buying the brand name, we start buying the generic. I don't remember what client I was talking to, but they went and they, they were looking at ibuprofen. And the generic was like half the price of the brand name. They looked at the ingredients are like exactly the same. I think that's the switch that people are making with higher inflation. They're saying, you know what? I'll take the generic brand instead of the brand name because I'm saving money. It's a way to save money. It is. And a lot of generic brands are actually fairly similar. They're just packaged different. And I actually just went this summer, we went to Lamar's Iowa and we went and checked out the blue bunny. They have their, um, like their original ice cream shop there in town. And you learn some of the history. 
So they make a lot of ice cream, not only for themselves, but the grocery stores and places like that. And the only, the recipes are the same, but the cream that they buy from all the dairy farmers in the area, the top notch stuff, the top shelf cream goes into blue bunny boxes. And then your second tier, which we're talking about cream. So it's all good, right? It's making ice cream. It's all good. I've never had bad ice cream to be honest with you. Right. But that's the only difference. So their top grade cream goes in the blue bunny label and the, uh, the cream for the ice cream for the generic brands. That's what they use in the generic brand. So it's this, ex- it's essentially the same thing. My dad's taught a marketing class at Kirkwood for 30 plus years. And he talked about this when I was a kid, he goes, a lot of the same products are all produced in the same facility, same recipe packaged differently. Right. I was, and actually- I don't know whether that was his frugal nature wanting to sell me on why we bought the generic brand all the time. Oh, or course. if it was fact, but as I've gotten older, I, I've realized that it's fact. And then the fourth thing we can all do is just focus on the long term. If you think about the stock market over time, if I showed you a stock market over the last 100 years, you would have bought every single year the past 100 years and been happy with it. So people just bringing a focus, this really short term point of view, and they start to listen to the media and start to think about what's going to happen with their money short term. I literally just got off a phone call with the client. I want to put some money in, but I think I want to wait, you know, see if we get a buyer, better buying price. I go, is it going to matter in 10 years? Of course it's not. It's not going to matter in 10 years. You're going to be happy that you did it. In 20 years, you're going to be happy that you did it. You're 37 in 30 years. You'll be happy that you bought it. Look back 30 years ago what the S&P 500 was. How much would people have bought if they would have known the value of the S&P 500 today versus 30 years ago? They would have put every single dollar they had into it and been happy about it. And the more the more retail investors that start to say things like I'm going to I'm just going to wait now for a better buying point, like that is a They're going to miss out. That, that's a sign that you you're going to miss out. Because that's how this always goes. You mentioned earlier in the podcast, and I'd, and I'd actually seen the same same thing that you did about retail investors are buying and institutionals are cashing in. Well, retail investors have a long-term point of view. They're saying, I have 30 years. It's going to be better in 30 years than it is today. And if it's not, one of the comments in there is, well, if I put this money in and in 10 years or 15 years, it's worth zero. We all have a lot bigger problems than my retirement account balance. Much larger problem. And if truth be told, if your outlook is that exact outlook, markets going to zero, world's coming to an end, should invest in your survival skills. And like, that's what you should focus on. Cause what else, your money's going to be worthless. Your gold, if there's no companies and there's no economy, gold's worth nothing. Well, if think about it for, for, a, for the stock market to go to zero, there's no companies in existence. Yeah. There's we no value we probably that. wouldn't be in existence much longer. Well, yeah, that happens if like the ast- if Armageddon happens, and the asteroid hits Earth. Yep, going to be in zero. We all have bigger problems. And that was one of the comments in that article was we all have a lot bigger problems than this yeah. $5,000 I put in my IRA and lost. Yeah, another the other point I wanted to make about focusing on the long term. So here, here's what really bothers people investing in the equity markets and the stock market. There's a lot of variance. And in the short term, there is variance and there's volatility. But... The only way to counter the variance is to be invested for a long enough time to take it out because over the long period of time, the market has gone up. So your only cure for the variance is to stay invested. 
Like there's no ma- there's no magic bullet. There's just one thing you can do, and that's the way it works. Yeah, I, in my I, opinion. No, I agree with you. I mean, that's why we stay in for the long term. We try to eliminate as much luck as possible. With that said, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show again. Thank you, Elias. And I hope everybody has a great weekend. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.